Welcome to Street Stoics, the podcast where we discuss Stoicism, the ancient philosophy of living a good life. I'm your host, Bryce, and I'm joined by my co-host, Benny. We're here to help you apply Stoic wisdom to your everyday life, no matter what obstacles you're facing, whether it be work stress, relationship issues, or just the general ups and downs of life. Stoicism has something to offer us all. So what are we talking about today, Benny? Um, yeah, today the topic is about uh, something that we all deal with, uh, frustration. We deal with people around us, we deal with events, and sometimes they don't go as we want, and then we can get frustrated. So what is frustration? If we look at the, uh, the, the definition of frustration, it's when things don't go as we want, that we'll get annoyed or upset by those events. It's really interesting, right? Because when I think of frustration, I automatically go to anger. I mean, at its core, right, without reading the... Uh, without going to the internet and reading the Merriam-Webster uh, definition. You know, it, it, it's just really, for me, it's when your expectations just don't match reality. You know, that comes in different forms. So it's, it's, it's this idea that we're, something is going to happen and it just doesn't, things aren't going our way. And then it causes that uncomfortable feeling, right? So it's Stoics, we're always trying to deal with our feelings. We're not trying to eradicate them, but we're trying to get a handle on them, sometimes compartmentalize them and look at them for what they are. That's what I think about when I when we're talking about frustration. It's kind of this this what I want versus what I got and it's not working out. And and that starts a chain reaction, right? So would you you'd agree, right? That maybe like frustration is kind of a gateway to other things. It's anger, it's bitterness, it's it's a, a feeling of defeat, right? And then, then you might quit what you're doing. You see, it's Stoics are always talking about anger, right? Seneca talks about it. Epictetus talks about it. Aurelius mentions it uh, as this is like the emotion to be really concerned about. And we talked about that already, but would you agree, Benny, that frustration is kind of a gateway to all of it? I think that that's definitely uh, uh, true where it starts with frustration. And as you said, then, we, we can see from, for example, Epictetus, he talks about exactly what you said about the wants and trying to avoid stuff. He talks all all the way through his discourses and through the manual. And that, that's where it starts. And I think what you mentioned is that it's definitely a trigger. Right? There's the triggers and slowly frustration can build into something something bigger, something, as you said, anger, deep sadness, all these things. So I think the faster we can nip frustration in the bud the best the better it is because at the beginning it's it starts usually with a simple annoyance right for example if you picture someone at work or someone at the street or someone that you've been dealing with for a long time it could start with something small and i think that that is that frustration it's that feeling where something just isn't right something is just it's like a it's like an itch right you start with a small itch the, the more you start to scratch the bigger it gets and I think for me, if I have to describe it in a feeling, that's kind of what I get. And it always reminds me of that, that Beatles song, uh, that quote from the Beatles, where it says, uh, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. And if you focus too much on those plans, that itch starts to boil up as things happen, as you didn't expect them, as you haven't planned them, right? So I do definitely think that it is a gateway to those bigger emotions, but it is something on itself that should be examined as well, those annoyances, those things that upset you, right? Would you agree that it's it, it might be a stage before that, as you said, you know, that gateway, but it's still, it's still something on itself. No, that's a good way of putting it. It's like maybe you don't start in frustration, right? Something leads to frustration. 
And then frustration leads to anger, bitterness, or uh, this defeatism with all, all these other things. So, yeah, I think what you said, nipping it in the bud is kind of understanding what is even the precursor to frustration, you know, let alone frustration being a precursor to anger. Their next point is, well, what do we what do we think the Stoics think about it? And again, my definition really was at the base frustration is expectation not meeting reality. And if frustration is definitely something I struggle with. I have it at work. I have it in my personal life. It doesn't always lead to anger. It doesn't need to lead to anger. But those other things I mentioned where you feel defeated or you feel like, oh, here we go again. You know, it's just you feel like the wind comes out of you, right? It's not a, it's not a very comfortable feeling at all. As I was pondering this, where we were talking earlier about this topic, I was thinking, well, what practices in stoicism can help us? So, I mean, the first thing is front and center in, in a lot of uh, stoic solutions or proposed solutions is that dichotomy of control. It's like when, we, when we're talking about reality not meeting expectation, the, the key part of that is expectation, right? So how do I recalibrate my expectations? That's what Stoics want you to do, right? It's it's about accepting reality for what it is. As a Stoic, you don't run from reality, except the good, the bad, and the ugly in all situations. So I can't really bend the universe to my will. That's what we want to do. That's how well, that's our inner self that wants it to all go our way. We have to deal with the universe on its terms and reality on its terms. So then it's up to me to recalibrate my expectations. And so that's when it comes back to this dichotomy of control. It's like, what can I do versus what can't I do? I think that's a good place to start. Oh, exactly. And you perfectly uh, worded that, you know, that you have that desire to bend the universe according to your will. And we all have a certain idea of how life should go, how we would like to see our life go, what we would see. And the turn of events that cause us, that would bring us happiness, that would bring us joy, that would bring us all these pleasant things. And as soon as we find that obstacle, if we find that that mountain to climb over that we didn't see coming, and some of these things, they might even be so big that we should have seen coming, yet we're blind because we're just looking at our feet, trying to trying to walk that way that we that we feel like. And then when we do hit it, that's when it starts, right? And I think. You're exactly right when you said that the dichotomy of control is key in this and also, you know, to controlling in that sense, because what is the dichotomy of control? It's our opinions, our views, our actions that we take. And part of that are our wants. And as Epictetus points to that a long time, all the time, he says it's our desires and our aversion. So not just the things that we want, but also the things that we wish to avoid. Those are the things that can cause us that frustration, that, that upset. And I think it's it's really good to prepare ourselves for those things. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to fulfill our duty, you know, to fulfill the life that we should that we need, but we do, should definitely prepare ourselves for it. And as you said, I've, I've dealt with, I think, everybody who's listening, who's had a, a colleague at work who has been frustrating to work with, right? So I think it's interesting to see the tools that Stoicism can provide us with it by setting our desires and our wants exactly how they happen. And and then, as you said, have that acceptance, right? Have that acceptance and also to really have the realistic viewpoint of where you can control yes. it, and that's inside of you. Yes, yes. He just keyed on a word that I had written down earlier. It was realistic, right? And it, and it almost hurts to say that. 
right? When you say, let's have some realistic expectations, automatically, like your heart drops a little bit. It's like, I can't shoot for the stars, right? It's like, I have to, I have to bring down what uh, my goals are now. And it's like, I don't know if you, if that goes through your mind or you feel it, uh, but I have, right? It's when people say, hey, let's, let's have some realistic expectations. That's usually on the back end of somebody having a big idea or big hopes and dreams. And, you know, I don't think Benny, I know Benny isn't, uh, but we're not saying here that you shouldn't have hopes and dreams and that you shouldn't aim high. But it, it's, again, it goes back to what I was talking about, expectation versus reality. And I keep coming back to that same word too, expectation, because I think that's really tied to frustration. I don't think you can really separate those two. As I you know, had went through my notes, I kept seeing expectation coming up over and over and over again in, in different forms. So then what are realistic expectations? And that goes back to something that he was talking about a few minutes ago. And that was about, he mentioned something about opinion. And Epictetus was big on talking about, you know, the, the three stages of how we uh, to see something and it turns into uh, an action. So most people think about the world as a matter of cause and effect, something you experience something and then automatically you're taking some action about it, it kind of goes through your mind, you, you know, you work it through your uh, processes and your ideas about things, your values quickly, and then there's an effect. Epictetus says that there's three distinct layers there, not two. It's cause, and then there's opinion, and then there's effect. So what he's saying is there's that little space in between, that little wedge, that pause, where something has happened, something you're experiencing, sensory, an idea about something, what have you, and now what? Like, Oh, you know, somebody pushed you. Well, I'm going to push them back. Well, why did I think that? That was just kind of this reflex reaction, right? This is that went through your body, uh, through your mind. Not everybody's going to respond the same way. But then why don't people respond the same way? Well, because they don't process it. They don't see it the same. What are we saying there? It's an opinion. Was this person coming at me aggressively? I'm going to come, I'm going to respond aggressively. Uh, maybe my opinion was not meant to harm me. It was in self-defense. Therefore, I don't have to push them back. Maybe I step aside and make a different decision. So I, I guess I'm kind of wandering around here, but there is there is that middle spot. And I want Benny to talk about it a little bit more too, of opinion. It's not what happens. It's how you feel about it that is a precursor to the action. You're absolutely right. It's, it's that opinion that uh, really shapes all our views of the things that happen to us. That's the part that we control, and that's that little middle part. For example, if we take a, a dice player who, who rolls the dice, you know, you can't control what comes out of the dice, but you can prepare yourself for every every eventual outcome that might pop up, and then you can determine what kind of strategies you would you would play. But as soon as long as you accept the fact that every possible face could come up, and then you have to deal with it the best way you can. So. That is part of those, you know, the, how you could prepare for it, for it. But if we look, you know, there's so many examples where we can see frustrations come up. Let's take driving, for example, or going to the groceries. There's so many other people who, there's so many people you would interact with. And everybody has their own way of doing things. Everybody has their own way of, of, of driving on the, on the right lane with what speed and overtaking, going slower, stopping earlier this traffic light. Everybody thinks they're the best driver. Yet everybody drives differently. And I think it is at that moment when you see someone driving slower, it is that moment where you can take that pause and say, okay, I don't know what's going on in that car, 
but I know what's going on in my car. I can either overtake, I can slow down, I can take it easy, I can take a deep breath. And I think that that is part of the preparation. And it reminds me of uh, Epictetus in his uh, in the manual by Arian, I think it's point four, where he talks about going to a bathhouse. He prepares himself for it. He says, I'm going to a bathhouse. And I'm not just going to go there to bathe because these were the bathhouses back in the day where so it wasn't just you have your own little stall. No, everybody is there in the same space. So you would be bumping into people. People would be doing whatever, making sounds, you know, smells. All these things would be there. So he prepared himself saying, I'm not, I'm not just going to go and wash myself. No, I'm going to go there and I'm going to deal with other people. And in the meantime, I want to uh, keep my peace of mind, my serenity in place. I want to stay moral. I want to stay virtuous. So that is that that piece of mind. You can. That's why what what Bryce said about that pause. You can prepare yourself for it. You can prepare yourself for those those events that might happen. And I don't know if that's kind of what you thought about the pause as well. Are you are you figured out? And I like what you said about the about the uh, traffic and you know living in the L.A. area. I mean, I'm well versed about the frustration of traffic, but you know it's. I want to go back to you know the, this opinion, right? That pause in between, and and how critical that is, and how that we need to really take the time to hesitate just for a moment, and before we go ahead and take action, it's that reflexive mind that we've talked about many times versus that slower rational mind, and we and in most cases we want to defer to that slower rational place. You're gonna you know where you're calm, you're tw- tranquil. And you're able to make uh, usually better decisions. And reflexively, a lot of times we, we don't do that. But I, I wanted to make a quick note here that we kind of passed over. We make the assumption that frustration is always a bad thing, and it often is. But, you know, Stoics are always trying to leverage any emotional state to their advantage or to our advantage, right? Because they believe nothing exists in nature that shouldn't be there. So frustration is one of those feelings or emotions that has a purpose. And Benny made a good point, and I didn't think about it earlier, is that you know frust- frustration is not point one. It's usually a series of you know data points. It could be there's something that builds to frustration, right? And so when we think about it that way, we can say, hey, that frustration could be a good thing in that we're identifying some some faulty processes before we get frustrated. So maybe we're, we're not getting the end result we want, but then why is that? Why am I frustrated? That's where we have to look uh, internally again and saying, what, why am I getting to a point of this frustration? And can I use it to my advantage? Right, I think that that is, the, and you hit something very important there, because if you think of the other emotions, anger, you know, fear, grief, they can pop up out of an instant. Of, well, frustration is something that is kind of a slow cooking thing, right? It's a, it's that story when you put a frog in a, in a kettle of cold water and if you slowly put it to a boil, you know, it wouldn't notice because the temperature gradually goes up. But if you throw it into a, a boiling pot of water, it will jump out. And that's our anger. But the frustration is something that comes up in the background. And it's, it's more difficult to to uh, recognize, right? It's more difficult to have that pause because you don't have that instant impulse. It's something that, as you said, you have those those data points or those interactions with people, those those things that slowly creep up. And it's something, and before you know it, you're you could be in a full blown rage already, right? Would you agree with that? That it's that it's that's kind of the difference between 
those emotions that you mentioned that it could go oh, yeah. but you could stop it if you recognize that that frustration right again i want to go back to the value really quickly and think about yourself as being a scientist and you're frustrated with the results you you have this hypothesis and you're just not getting the result you want so you may be even getting angry about it but that frustration could be born out of maybe your assumptions are wrong. You know, maybe, maybe you're assembling it the wrong way. You're not getting the outcome because there, there's something flawed. Now that's, that's going to take some introspection and reevaluation of what you're doing. And again, some inject some reality in there that maybe my hypothesis is bad and it needs to be adjusted. So my frustration is really born out of what? In that case, it's opinion. And so it, it's a faulty opinion. That leads you to down down a path which could cascade into anger and some of these other things. So, I like that. I like uh, thinking it's because I deal with frustration on and off all the time, and it's been a thing in my life that I've really grappled with. So I'm really leaning into it myself now. It's like how can I turn this frustration into a positive? And I mentioned realistic expectations, and I and I wanted to get back to that. So we want to get to some point now where we're offering some more solutions and. And so, how do how do we how do we do that? How do we get, you know, how do our expectations become unrealistic? And I think it's it's important to note, you know, a lot of times, what are frustrations exacerbated by? It's about irrational beliefs, right? That just kind of creep into our thinking process. These are like, you know, I should or that sh- words like should or ought, any demands or commands. That, that just kind of sneak in there. And so we really have to step back. And again, as a Stoic, you're always using self-introspection to your advantage to say, is there a problem with my process? Am I letting these oughts and shoulds and can and can'ts uh, slip into my process at that point? And so now I'm setting myself up to be frustrated. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that comes from, you know, uh, one part is that when we compare ourselves to other people and we see that other people might have things that we assume are better. You know, again, those are our opinions. Those are our views. And when we look at uh, life around us, it's always a reflection of what we think is important, what we think are our failures or our strengths. And if we start comparing ourselves, and that's where those, you know, those shoulds and those thoughts might come from, right? Or even if we, if we wish to avoid things that we see that are not good, you know, and if, if then those things don't happen or they do, that's where those frustrations come from. So what could Stoicism offer as a solution? It's first, it's that acceptance of what is happening and also of accepting the other people as they are. And this is kind of, you know, an important topic for me because this is one of those first points that made me realize how relevant Stoicism is to me to make a life a better, you know, to live, to live my life a lot better. And that's what was with Marcus Aurelius in, in Book Four, Book Four Point Six, where he says, "With that sort of person is bound to do that, you might as well resent the fig tree for secreting juice." Anyway, before very long, you'll both be dead, dead and soon forgotten. And this room, this instantly reminded me of a coworker at, uh, at a school that I was working, and he would always try to sneaky things and all these things. But at one point, I was getting frustrated by it. And, I asked, like, what can I do? And when I read this, I was like, why am I angry at this person? Why am I angry at this thing? And, you know, these are the externals. I can't change them. This person is going to be this way forever, you know? And, and then I put those shoots and odds on that person. He should react like this. He should be doing this way. 
But that's my view. So at one point when I said, okay, why am I getting angry at this person? This person isn't going to change. I need to change and I need to change my opinion. So that's where we get, you know, those things that that's where you get that pause as well. Those opinions are changing. That's where you said, you know, that those shoots and odds, they don't only apply on you, but we all also want to project them on the behavior of others. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as further, I'm kind of building it out too. It's like, so look, our frustration is often a, a function of expectation. And what is expectation again? What is another element to that? It's assuming an outcome. And so I want to go all the way back to what we started with when we, when we started this conversation about this dichotomy of control. So why am I assuming I know what the outcome is going to be, right? Outcomes vary. That's what we learn from the dichotomy of control. There, there, there are times, right, where I could say, hey, I have a high expectation of an outcome if it's something that I truly control. It's within self. And that's very narrow scope of items. But most of the things we're dealing with in life, and like Benny's talking about his coworkers, you know, your job, uh, you know, going out into the public, out into the world, and you're going to have random interactions. And a lot of that's going to be out of your hands, right? Can't, you can't control it. So you really can't assume an outcome. So I'm, I'm really kind of pretentious to assume an outcome is going to be a certain way anyways. Now, there's a higher probability based on certain events, certain variables. This is true, right? But I think a good stoic is always thinking of all the possibilities. And even if it's a 9 in 10 chance something's going to happen a certain way, there's still a 1 in 10 chance that it might not. And 10% isn't high, but it's not really low either. For me to be very upset about it would be wrong on me right? That's about, again, that's about me. It's, it's, it's not just the cause and effect. It's my opinion or my own belief that I'm interjecting and wedging in there. And I shouldn't assume an outcome is going to be a certain way. That's the, that's wrong to begin with. Right. But that, again, that has to do with frustration. If I'm assuming, right, something's going to be a certain way, my expectations are out of line. So I think through the dichotomy of control, of what I can control versus what I can't, being very clear about that, that's a, a first good step to to whittling these expectations down to that, that terrible phrase, the realistic expectation. And once you have a realistic expectation, then it's a lot less traumatic if things aren't favorable, right? And then I could go for we could go further into saying I should I should practice stoic indifference and I shouldn't say this is necessarily good or bad. It's just an outcome. And so I could say I expected this as in I hoped this would be the outcome, but I didn't get that. And it's like, so what? I'll just try again, you know, right? So it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It was just an outcome that I didn't prefer at that moment. And maybe I'll get that better outcome next time. I don't know if that sounds too clinical, but. Yeah, perfectly. And it makes me think, you know, you can have that realistic expectation and maybe even a preferred expectation as your baseline. You know, and then you can use that negative visualization where you start to examine all the possible outcomes, but you still have your preferred outcome as a baseline. Like, this is what I'm aiming for, but I am setting myself on the top and on the bottom, you know, from the baseline. It could go better, it could go worse, and but I'm working through that. Because I think, as you said earlier as well, it is difficult to say I'm not aiming high, and it's difficult to set not to set a goal. I think it's good to set a goal, within certain parameters of, of reasonable, of, of, as you said, you know, realism and rational. You know, we should do always apply the rational mind when you set these expectations. But if we set it as a baseline, 
And when you say, I'm, I want to do this and this, if fate permits, right? That's also something that we can, the Stoics used to use, that kind of uh, escape clause, if you will. You know, I, I wish, for example, if you want to go on a holiday, you're hoping or you're expecting it to be sunny, and then it rains, right? That could happen. So you're going to go to the holiday, and I'm hoping you're going to have a sunny state if the weather permits it. And if not, then you could be prepared. Okay, if you're going to have a rainy holiday, I'm going to be there. I'm still, I can still do things. And I think that that is setting yourself that baseline of expectations, and from there building up, you know, to the to the more positive and to the negative outcomes where you're prepared for everything, but you're still working towards a goal. I really like what you said there, right? About the, the used an example of the weather, you're out on vacation and, and you just kind of go with it. And I think that's another concept of stoicism I like is just going with the flow. You know, whatever happens, I'm going to adjust. Um, I've either thought about it ahead of time, there's the possibility or in the moment, moment if something happens, I have the ability to adjust and say, hey, is this really that big a deal? And I'm going to make the best of it and be cheery about it. And some of the, the, the most impressive people I've ever met in my life were just unbothered by circumstance. You know, with everybody else moaning and groaning about things happening in the moment, the most impressive people I've ever met just kind of smile and goes, well, we'll make the best of it or it's going to be a little more challenging, but should be fun still, you know, these types of things. And, and they mean it, right? And this is what we talk about with Stoicism being a lived philosophy. I mean, that is power, right? When you can just adjust on the fly, nothing shakes you, nothing rattles you. And that's the sage in the Stoics mind is just somebody who's who understands the risk reward, understands the probabilities, and just is always living in the moment. And then whatever happens in the moment, you know, you're not going to be rattled. You're not going to be shaken because you have the tools to deal with it. So when we're talking about preferred indifference and the dichotomy of control, I think those are the first two big steps that you can use to get your uh, frustration maybe under control, develop some more realistic expectations, and empower yourself. The more you can live in that moment, the more you can deal with things that actually happen to you. And that's what you said as an example. People dealing with things that happen to them say, okay, I'm going to make the best out of it. And those are those are simple phrases that you can remind yourself of, you know. And and the other thing is that we should also remember that those expectations are something in the future, right? And that a lot of the, for example, fear is often derived from the past, you know, or or you know, is even future events. And these expectations are something that we project in the future, but then we don't know the outcome. But if we focus on our actions and our duty that lies in the now, you know, then. All right. there's no expectation in the now. In the now, it's just action. And if we find ourselves struggling with these expectations not being realized as we have to expect, then we can just just focus, okay, what is my next course of action that I've got to do? So if you feel frustrated with uh, the events not turning out as you hoped, then you could just tell yourself, and that's what Bryce was talking about is, you know, okay, what is the what is the best that I can do with this? How can I make the best out of the situation? And then you have that kind of optimistic view because Stoics, Stoics are often looked as kind of fatalist. Stoics often look at, oh, you know, like a, a, an emotionless creature who can't smile. What if you look at it carefully and you really embrace life, you see the optimistic side of it that every situation is yours to to, to benefit from. It is yours to make the best out. So, 
that is another way where you could deal with having your expectations, you know, turning into frustrations or your goals turning into frustrations is where you say, okay, I am starting to get frustrated. You apply that pause and then you just focus on what you need to do right now. What I kind of, what I jotted down on my whiteboard, I always got my whiteboard working very, very helpful. I highly suggested for anybody listening to uh, jot down your thoughts before they leak out your ear is we're talking about kind of these data points, right? And these data points in our life can lead to uh, a certain level of expectation, right? As to an outcome, we're gathering data and then we start expecting, we're, we're always looking to see where things go. And then when things aren't going that way, right? We have this, we have the frustration that is a result of that. When you think about this, putting it back into that matrix of cause and effect, we can, for me, I mean, it clearly looks, it's my opinion that my expectation has built, right? I, I, I've, I've done that. That's mine. I owe that. I own that. I have control. So that's really a function of self. As you dissect this, and a good Stoic's always trying to break things down into individual pieces like we're doing here and see the relationship between those things, is that, that little wedge we talked about of opinion between cause and effect that's where you're going to you're going to make a decision am i going to be frustrated what are my expectations really before that frustration then become becomes an onset that effect it's a it's a function of self it's really on you to say am i going to do i need to be frustrated about this what am i doing am i being realistic in my expectations have i done that work and i think if we have done that work then we don't get to that effect where we feel anger and de defeated and all these other secondary emotions that come from frustration, right? That's way net effect, you know, at the very end point. Because often, like we said, frustration turns into those things. So I want people to focus on that middle part and know that you have power and strength. And that's what Stoics are always trying to remind us is that you, you, you eliminate those things that you can't control, but the things you can control are how you react and how you frame the world. And so this is a definite opportunity that you can nip this uh, frustration in the bud by developing realistic expectations. And that's part of your, you know, your process ahead of time using the dichotomy of control, preferred indifference, and such. And so it's a function of self. I wanted to take it one step further even to prepare yourself for future frustrations that might pile up. So as you already mentioned, that this is a signal, right? These are all signals that tell us something about ourselves. So once we get over a certain frustration or we used all the valuable steps that were mentioned, then it's time for some reflection. And you can use a journal, you can meditate, you can find, and this is very unique to everyone, you can find your way to look back at those events and ask yourself, as we have to do that introspection, to ask yourself, what was the trigger of this frustration? Why was I getting annoyed? Why was I getting upset? And I think that that's the step to make that next time that we have to deal with these things to have those expectations when we set them, you know, to set them more realistic. And that's how we kind of close that gap between unrealistic and realistic expectations for the next time, because that's also yeah. our duty to prepare ourselves. So it comes first when we deal with that frustration in the moment, but then we also need to make sure that we learn from it and that we grow from those moments of frustration. I would tell ourselves, this is why I was triggered. Next time when this has happened, what should I do? What were my what should I have done to prepare myself better? 
and how should I've taken myself out of that moment, pause, and then choose the correct course of action. Right. Perfect. Yeah. That's why another reason why Stoics are big on journaling is that, and I, and I don't do it well, but there, I know I do leave a little time at the beginning of the day and the end of the day in my task planner for work to write down some notes and ideas. And I kind of did park in personal things in there every once in a while. I should probably do that again. As we talked about in one of our other stoic rooms that we just, we talk about various life issues we talk about breaking things down and how at work, you know, you get you get an outcome that's that's not good, and there's a there's a process, a business process to go back and see, look at each stage of what happened, and do a root cause analysis. And we just really don't do that in our lives so much. It's, it amazes me, and I mean, I know I don't do it, but how many of us are really tackling the biggest problems in our life, documenting it out? drawing some conclusions and reformulating a plan and starting over the next day with this this new plan to get better outcomes. I mean, it seems clinical and, and kind of dry, but there's something to it. I think if we if we could do that better, being emotional creatures, even what we're and again, we're not running from our emotions, we're trying to embrace them and leverage them, is to if you could really do that in your life on a more consistent basis, you may get really a lot better outcome. Yeah, just to quickly add to that, because I think a lot of the times when we do reflect, as you mentioned, on a job or work, you know, that's easier, but it's more difficult to reflect on ourselves because then oftentimes we have to look at the, the bad things, you know, the, the, well, the stinks, those things that we that we wish we could take back. And that is more difficult because that is something that hurts us as a person. And at one point, then we have to tell ourselves, maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe I'm, I'm I'm not the, the, the that kind of version that I imagine myself to be. Right. But that's an important step to take to be able to have that honest, sincere reflection of yourself, and then you can build on it. So I think that if you journal and if you look at those moments of frustration, then you can tell yourself honestly, okay, this isn't this wasn't right that I did, and I need to improve it the next time. So I think that that is maybe that is that part of putting that real deep introspection yep. and examination of the self. Yep. It all goes back to that, doesn't it? It all goes back to self and being honest with yourself. And and that's where I think all of our answers come from. Just being looking in the mirror, writing down what you see, and then be willing to work with what you have and make real choices and changes that, that might that might produce a better outcome. Even if they're a little painful, that's what it's all about. That's where our growth comes from. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review. Your feedback helps us reach more like-minded listeners on this journey of self-improvement. And remember, you can reach us on X, uh, Bryce at Stoic Bryce, Benny at The Stoic Padawan, or look at our website, streetstoics.com. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at streetstoics at gmail.com. And remember, virtue is the only good.